The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast, hosted by Flamingo CEO Jude Chi. Welcome, friends of the rebellion, and may the force be with you. Uh, so uh, welcome to the latest episode of Flamingo's Apartment Rebels podcast. Um, so on today's episode, really, really excited to have Trevor Park, uh, the VP of Marketing over at Rent Dynamics. Um, so really excited to have Trevor because we have been in contact over uh, online and then we met briefly at, I think, Optech. Yeah. And you really stood out because you were tall. <laughs> so just found out that you are actually 6'9", which is, <laughs> you stand out. You stand yes. out. Um, so, but no, really excited to officially have you on the podcast because uh, we've gone back a little bit over the last like year or so. So uh, welcome. So on this episode, going to cover quite a mix of topics because you have been in the industry for a while and have done a lot both on the industry side and then now on the vendor side. So I think this is going to be a really, really awesome conversation. Uh, so Trevor, welcome. Thank you, man. I, I'm super excited. I, I love the fact that I've been able to connect with more people, especially over the pandemic. It really brought a lot of us into LinkedIn and it brought a lot of us into like communicating with more people outside of our social social circles mm -hmm. and yeah so seeing you pop up as 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 a as somebody in the industry that i haven't met yet i think mm -hmm. it was actually when i was at remarkably um we were looking for tools and services that could provide lift to low performing marketing kpis like retention mm -hmm. and i think that's what initially started our conversation and it was just really interesting to see tools that are out there and then you also having such a great approach to data i, I was excited to, to connect with you yeah no uh really looking forward to this conversation so you have so much history in the industry so how did you get started so i know you've been at everywhere yeah. from like gray star to pinnacle so what kind of drew you to the industry initially yeah so um I so I have I, I have ADHD and and I'm creative. So one of the things that I found that really keeps my attention focused in the right direction is having a few different things that I can work on and and kind of uh, task throttle to different things. And I was uh, teaching a social media class at University of Washington and met uh, Curtis Cardoza, uh, who's now at Zillow. And he was accepting a role at Pinnacle at the time mm -hmm. and said, hey, I'm, I'm actually not going to be moving forward on this interview piece, but I think you should apply. And it just so happened that it was a great star. And so oh, wow. he introduced me to Megan Hill and Stephanie Robichaud. And we had an interview, started talking. Things went really well. They hired me. Um, and I just kind of fell in love, like being able to work on, I think, I think when I first started, they gave me uh, like 25 properties. It was like, these, these are your 25 properties. Mm -hmm. You own them, do it. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is more brands than I get to work with ever. I, before that I was in banking and I was doing just a single 
brand there. Um, prior to that, I did a little bit of like consulting. I jumped around, jumped around a little bit, but it was like really focused on building brands for each of these properties and building marketing strategies and building budgets and all of these really cool things, but on a huge scale, kind of like an agency. And so, um, yeah, fell in love uh, from there, shifted over to Pinnacle and actually started working with Curtis. Curtis moved to the Southeast region to kind of start that region up for the marketing team. I took over the Pacific Northwest. So overseeing Washington and Oregon. Um, and it went from having like a, a smaller portfolio. I think it, at the time that I left Graystar, it was maybe a maybe like 50 some odd communities that I was working with and it instantly jumped up to 250 wow. uh, with Pinnacle. So I was managing all of these different groups. Um, the other crazy thing is it, it just being able to work with so many different stakeholders from the ownership side, from the development side, being able to work with um, commercial side, mixed use, affordable students, like the whole gamut of things that really opened up my world into what we could do from a, a marketing perspective within multifamily. And so, yeah, that's the, that's the, uh, the, the, the operator side that I worked on. Yeah. And then, uh, shifted yeah, into the marketing at the property yeah. level. So can you kind of give an overview of like how marketing is done at the site level oh, for the industry and how that's different than when you do marketing for like, I don't know, um taco bell or other like brands like how what are some of the unique things about marketing that you see for multi-family apartments yeah i think and i'm i'm obviously anybody that's currently doing marketing for multifamily, feel free to let me know if i'm i'm outdated a little bit on my my knowledge of it but one of the big things from like being on a third-party management side both pinnacle and graystar there's so many layers of stakeholders that are involved in the conversation. Um, being a part of a singular brand or like a singular entity, there's usually just like your boss that signs off on things. Whereas at Pinnacle, like when we would provide marketing recommendations, it would start with like marketing, doing the research as to what the, the new trend is or what the new product is that we want to roll out, getting buy-in from the rest of the marketing team and then pitching it to the regionals. The regionals oh, wow. then have to buy in and adopt it and like be like, yes, this is something that I think we need to move forward with. And then they have to pitch it to their ownership group. Like if it's not something that's in budget that year, I would say probably like seven out of 10 times, it's not gonna happen that year until we get into the next budgeting cycle and we can factor it in for that year. But if it's like a, if it's a, a crucial element for marketing to move forward on something, or if it's something that they might have a little bit of extra spend, then they'll potentially push it through. But there's layers of approval that have to happen on that piece. So usually that decisioning cycle is, is a lot longer than just a, hey, yeah, I got the, I got Trevor Park here. He's the, the regional marketing director for Pinnacle and he is all on board. Let's, let's sign contracts. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Like you have to, like you get the marketing person on board and then they get their team on board, then they get their regional team on board and then they get their ownership teams on board and then they roll it out and start working with the leasing teams to actually implement. Um, so there's a lot of different decisioning processes yeah. that could happen that way. So then from 
uh, someone that has been on that end of maybe, I don't want to say like the lowest spectrum of that decision making, yeah. uh, but someone that is a marketer, do you see that process as really being suboptimal or do you think for multifamily that is the best approach to have all those like different layers? Interesting. So um, from somebody that likes to move fast, like in my case, if I want to do something, I want to just start running with it. Uh, I find it a little bit suboptimal, but at the same time, one of the things that I really appreciate about that process is it really makes sure, like it really allows us to adopt the product within all different layers of the workflow. So I think about, um, like let's let's take let's take rent dynamics for instance if like we have a crm component we have a, a call center component and we have a, a rent plus component the crm component it touches on multiple different layers of operations the leasing agents are going to be using it at their level the property managers are going to be using it at their level the vp the regionals and the vps are going to be using it at their level and then ownership stakeholders are probably going to be using it as well for like a reporting standpoint and so having that process of approval and being able to get the buy-in mm -hmm. that really allows everybody to get on board before you sign the contract okay. and you can flush out any of that like those onboarding hiccups or like the mm -hmm. delays in training or anything that might happen it makes sure that the expectations are clearly set before you go any further and so that process makes a lot of sense and then you also like it uh so for kush wake now um like jeff ganner his role he is kind of like the the gatekeeper for a lot of vendors he does his audits he does his reviews and then pushes it forward um so that's that's like i think it's a it's a needed portion or like having some sort of vendor management process mm -hmm. where you can get stakeholders from every level that the product touches so yeah i think i think it's needed um but yeah definitely frustrating if you're on the side yeah, of like i, I want imagine. this product you then have to go through all the different layers of red, red tape to finally get it going. But I think ultimately it, it makes sense in the long run because of all the different facets of multifamily that can be affected by it. But if you could like looking back where you were, whether it's at Pinnacle or at Graystar, um, for your position, if you could change that process or make it more like optimal, how would you have wanted to do it to still get that speed that you desire but also have those checks and balances in place to get like buying from uh all those things different levels i think it would the the change i would have is in the budgeting process and usually like in when when we would do that it would start in october maybe even september in some cases and that's when you're really starting to evaluate everything. And so getting the vendors aware of your budgeting cycle early on so that you can get that prepped for the next year, I think that's super important. Um, the other component though, is having flexibility in that budget. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, like when you're like on the marketing team, I'd be like, these are every, the, like at the property level, we'd say property A, here's everything that you need for 2023. Like, this is what you need to get going. But uh, property B, here's your stuff. It's going to be different than property A, 
it's specific to you and you build it out for every single property or every single client. And the parts that are tough is like they want to keep operation costs low. And so it's going to be like cutting things out a little bit, or it's like, what can you do with a thousand dollars versus $2,000? And so when that happens, it makes it difficult to really be flexible during the year with things that are non uh, revenue generating products. So if it's affecting your occupancy, that's where you have like, you can throw in apartments.com or you can throw in Zillow and you can do that out of budget because of the fact that it is going to drive your occupancy up. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you want something like, uh, virtual tours, that's going to be probably a harder sell because it doesn't have the direct correlation to, um, occupancy increasing it it shows an increase in traffic and it shows an increase in that but it's it's a harder sell to show that correlation which um i think some some vendors are doing a really good job of showing that data now Mm -hmm. so kind of taking like um uh like two steps back for someone that doesn't know how marketing operates at the property manager level or in the industry level. Can you kind of give like a uh, property management 101? So the end goal is to get people to move into the building. So how can you kind of break that down on how that budget is spent? What are all like the initiatives that are done to build awareness, get people into the funnel? So what is like marketing 101 for the apartment industry? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really unique in a sense that there is there's in development. So properties that are currently being built, there's marketing for lease up, which is the ones that like they hit TCO and they're, they're pushing through and the doors are open, residents are moving in mm-hmm. and then they're stabilized. And so like they hit their occupancy level and then they're just trying to maintain that 92, 93% or whatever they're wanting to. Oh, well, now it's like 95. <laughs> 95. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. So like keeping that occupancy level high um, is kind of like where you're at stabilization. So like the marketing strategy shifts in each stage that they're at when it's in development, you get like a, you get a solid top of funnel for building a wait list. And so the strategy for that one is really just digital awareness, promoting things on, on kind of like the, the fencing or some leasing trailer or something along those lines, depending on how far along you are in that development piece. Then there's the lease up, and like pre-leasing stuff that's happening. Um, you have a, a more solid website. You have floor plans. You have all of the digital collateral put together. You might be doing hard hat tours at some point, and then you're shifting to actual tours. Um, and then from like the the, the, the in development, so that's literally just they just have like a landing page essentially. In, in some cases, like in, in other cases, if they haven't selected their management company or if it's something where it's owner managed, like mm-hmm. they might not have a landing page until pre-leasing or even lease up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on how quickly the ownership is willing to um, lock in their management company or approve budget for those specific pieces. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really unique on each one. I think from like a, a marketing 101 piece, um, it would be really thinking about it from, from the stages of the funnel. Like if you were just like top of funnel is going to be all of your external facing marketing pieces where you have um, your website, you have an SEO strategy or a pay-per-click strategy of some sort. You have um, 
you know, some sort sort of automation for email follow-up and chat nurturing on the website so that you can get a lot of those leads coming through. You have a good quality CRM top of funnel so that it's actually pulling in those leads and it can help kind of manage where those um, leads need to go and how they get it nurtured. And then from there, the marketing strategy actually carries on all the way through. There's the, the, the move-in experience, I think, is one of the big ones. So thinking about like companies like Moved and Lively, those two pieces like really help the resident transition into this property and help them um, kind of have a seamless onboarding experience. And then you have the retention side of things, which is another thing that marketing contributes to. And that's going to be with like services like Flamingo and providing like resident events and um, services like uh, like Amenify and um, Alfred and like those kind of things where there's so many different touch points that you can have for the resident to keep them happy and keep them wanting to stay in your property. And then that's the retention and renewal mm-hmm. piece. So every aspect of that marketing funnel um, is is like top to bottom all the way through uh, for having different touch points and having different um, vendor processes that get managed throughout that entire thing. Sorry that, yeah, not super detailed. Um, we we are working on a leasing guide at Rent Dynamics that we're gonna have a lot of different vendors participating in and contributing to. Um, so we'll definitely be rolling that out where it's gonna have more of a, a 101 kind of standpoint, but yeah. So one thing I've always been curious about from a property like operations perspective, why does retention fall on the marketing as opposed to really falling more to a site ops? Um, well, I think, I think it's, it's, it's capacity and being able to actually manage that piece. I think before the worlds of automation and mm-hmm chatbots like BetterBot and Different and um, ResPage and kind of those those pieces like not how or like Nurture Boss like all of them having the ability to take eighty percent of those leads and moving them straight to a tour mm-hmm. um, that part was so time consuming that the leasing teams and the property teams just didn't have time to focus on the residents mm-hmm. and there's also been this. I don't know if it's a like what like I don't know what's driving kind of that focus, but getting the increase in rent by having somebody move out and then being able to turn the property and then get somebody back in right away. I think that part is also getting tougher and tougher because of like how long things can stay vacant. Mm-hmm. So if you need to turn a unit and it's going to take you a month to do it, that's $1,200 minimum of like whatever your rent is like that's that's money out the door for that month plus whatever it costs to turn it. And then if it takes another month to lease that unit, that's another month that you're losing money and then so on and so forth. Um, so I think that's where there hasn't been that huge focus because people think that they can get higher rents if mm-hmm. they turn the unit. Um, one of the things that's really clear a lot that- of right now, like a lot of our conversations are like, yep, no, we are not about retention at the moment. We are all about uh, getting new people in uh, where we can really like jack up the reds, which makes sense if the demand is there. Yeah. And that's, that's if the demand's there. I think, I think one of the things that we are seeing more and more though is like occup- occup- occupancy rates are going to continue to 
fluctuate depending on how pandemic stuff happens. If like another thing spikes up, there's going to be people that are going to want to hunker down and not move around. And so that part's going to be really tough to, to foresee. But if you can keep a resident happy and keep them mm-hmm. living at your property, as long as makes sense, like I, I don't see the, the downside of doing that. No. Um, so, yeah. So um, then after spending time on the marketing side, you went over to Compass and then spent yeah. a few months there before ultimately going a little bit into customer success. Can you kind of talk about that transition? Um, yeah, um, I would say that was probably my, uh, if, if I had to think back in terms of like professional decisions that I regret Jumping to Compass was one that I have a little bit of pain still in the back of my mind of like really? jumping ship. Um, I I was really I, I mean honestly like I was blinded by a paycheck. Um, I had a recruiter that was chasing after me, and they wanted me to kind of help open up the market for Compass. It's, it was going to be their second headquarter, and they had just bought a brokerage in the Seattle area or Seattle Bellevue area that was, wasn't really the happiest of campers because of the acquisition. And they needed somebody to come in to help kind of build up that team and, and help make them happy. And I told them no four times. Like, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested. They then came back. And they're like, we'll give you more money. And I'm like, no, still not interested. Then they threw out a number that I just was like, I couldn't say no to it. And um, I, I still remember too, like like Jennifer Stokokis, when I told her that I was leaving, mm-hmm. she, she gave me some really good advice to um, consider after that. And she's like, or she had told me, just be careful of the person that's throwing a lot of money at you mm-hmm. to get you to come on because they could be hiding stuff. They could be not telling you the big picture and they're just trying to blind you by the price tag. And she was right. Like I was like, I came in, it was, it wasn't the best culture fit for me. And I loved the team that I worked with. The team was fantastic. I was able to help grow the team from, I think it was like four people to like 15 people in the, in a matter of like 10 months. Um, I loved being able to see the single family side of things and how mm-hmm. that aspect of real estate is completely different than the multifamily side of things. Um, brokers are more individual, individual operators, and then they have like their own little nestle of teams and yes, they communicate with other brokers and stuff, but it's really kind of like, it's just them. Whereas if you think about multifamily, like the, the amount of times that I see somebody from like uh, security properties talking with somebody from Thrive or Thrive talking with somebody from Graystar and having that like really nice connectivity. It was, it was really awesome to see that, but it also gave me when I was at Compass to have that understanding of like, I actually, I really miss multifamily. And so, um, 10 months in, like I, I talked about the things that you do really well, and that's how we got connected. Like you are always looking to really build connections amongst like yeah. different companies. And that's one of the things I really, uh, enjoy most about like following your story. I appreciate that. And that's, I mean, it's, it's my, it's my, my life's motto is to connect people. Um, I know I'm not going to be the resource for everybody. Like I can't do everything. I don't know everything. I don't like, I'm not, I'm not the the one that can do it all, but I, I want to be able to know the people that can. So if I'm like, 
if I'm asked a question, they're like, hey, do you know how to make a cake? I'm like, no, but I know three cake makers that can help you out. Or like whatever it is, I want to be able to have that resource and be of value to people, um, even if I'm not the one that's doing it for them. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah. And then how was moving into customer success then? So what kind of um, that uh, move? <laughs> I'm obsessed with customer success. It is, it is probably... If I had to pick between marketing and customer success, I would probably choose customer success if I had to like separate the two. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I really appreciated about my role, both at Rent Dynamics and at BetterBot, is they appreciated the overlap of marketing and customer success. Um, when I came into Remarkably, the the reason that I fit so well into that role is is I was the one that was or like. Like when it started before the AI was fully launched, um, the the person on the back end providing the insights was the customer success manager. So having that knowledge of how you can improve metrics and you can find lift in certain areas, um, that was coming from the customer success team. So Stephanie Robichaud, myself, um, Levette Legoyne, like we all were the ones that were diving into the data, providing those insights, and then kicking them out through the dashboard or a report. Um, so it just made a lot of sense for me to kind of fit in that role. And I also like, I hadn't run marketing on the vendor side. So I was casually working with the marketing team mm -hmm. to understand what it, what it looks like from a vendor perspective, um, and not a client perspective. And so I was able to really learn from Erina and Anna Lee of what they were doing to build out the marketing stuff and was able to. Uh, shift that during the pandemic. So actually, there was a, a little bit of a gap um, in in uh, my job description. Mm -hmm. So remarkably got hit with the pandemic. They laid off um, a good number of their employees and it was definitely unexpected, but it was something that like, looking back on it, I'm actually glad they did because I was able to basically look at the book of business that I helped them build Mm -hmm. and still be a resource to those people. So like Paul Edgman at Thrive reached out to me and offered me con contracting work. Um, I started doing stuff with other management companies in, in the market as well and just started helping them out during the pandemic, building email cadences with automation. I started building mm -hmm. out um, different types of tech stack options for them and really kind of refining what they were doing from a remote standpoint since yeah. Most of the properties at that point were shut down and having to work from home. Um, so I built a lot of those systems for management companies throughout Seattle and, and the Pacific Northwest. And then I also picked up a camera and started doing virtual tours and property photography just to kind of help make ends meet. And I was connecting with more and more. And so it led into marketing projects. Oh, um, okay. So you were like super entrepreneurial throughout it. You definitely didn't like yeah. sit down. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So like I, I I bought Matterport cameras and stuff and started going to properties like masked up and everything. And they, they would just like leave the key on the on the door for me. And I'd like go in, I'd take the photos and then I'd mail it to them later and started doing drone photography from there and videography. And so it was just a lot of fun to be able to do that without the pressure of having another <laughs> job to do it. So I enjoyed that a lot. Um, it wasn't until, so Paul actually reached out to me and said, hey, what do you know about um, like marketing automation and uh, like chat bots and kind of that side of things? And I told him I knew a little bit about it, but I wasn't mm -hmm. super familiar with what it, 
like what they did. Um, and then Daryl Smith actually posted on LinkedIn around the same time saying that he joined the advisory board for BetterBot. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. I'd love to get involved with that. So I reached mm-hmm. out to uh, Robert and Z and said, hey, um, I noticed some things on the website uh, could be fixed, but then also um, I saw oh, that you guys this advisory board. To get a job. <laughs> yeah. And so Robert reached back out and he's like, do you want to do it? Like, do you want to fix it? And like, I, I jumped right in. I, I said this would be great. Started doing contracting for them um, and really started building out like kind of what their mm-hmm. company looked like from a marketing perspective. Like tried to help build up the brand, expand what they were doing. And then, um, yeah, that was. It's so funny that I, that's the approach that he took. Like as a founder, um, try to like hire one of the big challenges when you hire is just like the amount of resumes you have to review the amount of people you have to talk to amount of interviews yeah. if i had to interview i think the best hack that i i always like think about on every interview i have is i will just show up on the interview like these are the problems that i think you have mm-hmm. uh, this is how i can solve them <laughs> if someone yeah. came to that with me i'm like you hired <laughs> like that quickly yeah, and that's that's it's what I did. I I I put together like a thirty sixty ninety roadmap for BetterBot of like here's what I want to do in the first ninety days, mm-hmm. and sent it off to Robert. Rock and, and the way that Robert tells the story is like I went radio silent for like a month, mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't like like we weren't communicating him and I, but I was talking with the rest of the team and I was building stuff out. So at the end of that month, I'm like, hey, everything on my 30 day is done. I'm like, there oh, you wow. go. that's complete. That's let's awesome. jump into the 60 day and like, let's review. And at that point, I was contract. I wasn't even full time with BetterBot until uh, I think November. And they weren't the 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 big pieces. I, I wasn't a full 40 hours with them until November. And so mm-hmm. I kept telling them like, there's so much to chew on that if if we're really going to make this thing happen, like I should come on full time and we should make this a thing. And we had talked about it happening in January, um, like, like uh, that next year. And when I put together kind of the next uh, roadmap of what I was going to do, uh, Z and Robert were like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you, need, you need a full 40 hours to get this done. Like, let's do it. And yeah, it just, it, it just happened to work out really well then. And, and, and I was able to build out that team. They actually let me dive into more aspects of the company than just mm-hmm. marketing. I, started working on product and helping them drive that. I started working on the customer success team to build out what their process looks like. I rolled out their entire sales pipeline and all of the connection points for um, how HubSpot and sales and marketing can all kind of communicate together. Um, We hired uh, Tiffany, who's now the director of marketing there and killing it. And she came on as our content marketing manager or director of content marketing and she owned our social like her her focus was was driving as much content as we could and it skyrocketed i would say in the first quarter of her being in the team everything was was 300 plus x like it was just the the sheer level of content the traffic that was driving to our site and to our our linkedin as our primary social platform she was just pushing so much stuff out there for us that it really helped us build that brand and build that out. And so 
like we were able to just develop some really cool strategies that tied into that. And then she was just creating and producing based off of that strategy. And it was great. Wow, that's amazing. So it looks like you had a really impactful time at BetterBot then. And then, so right now- I like to think so. <laughs> nice. I think Robert would say the same thing, honestly. <laughs> so they made the transition recently to uh, Rent Dynamics. So really congrats on that. Um, Thank you. So you are currently the VP of Marketing. So can yeah. you kind of talk a little bit more about like Rent Dynamics, like what you all are solving for and what you're oh really, my gosh. really trying to achieve? Yeah. So like as, as I started talking about kind of my focus in like creative ADD, um, that like this company is, is doing a lot. There's, there's a CRM component, which is, is every, every week I meet with the product team, it's just doing something cooler and bigger and better. Um, there's a call center that is, is supporting so much volume of, of traffic to help ease the burden on the leasing teams. And then we have this, two really incredible projects that are focused really on the ESG side of things, Rent Plus and, and TAP, um, the Advantage program. And Rent Plus is geared towards improving residents' credit by paying rent on time. Yeah. And to me, I think that is just one of the coolest things that you can offer a resident is the ability to build your credit up mm -hmm. um, just by paying on time. Like, from an amenity standpoint, it just makes a lot of sense. From an ESG standpoint on that company side, like you can show the growth and the benefit that you have for that resident, um, not just providing a roof over their head, but actually something that they can take with them to their next property or to their home and all of those components. And so we are building out this program called TAP, which is allowing residents to have assistance in buying a home if they're ready to go from renting to owning. And so we provide that kind of assistance as well, but it's, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, the team is just fantastic. So Mike Wolber is my boss. He's the CRO mm -hmm. and just the sheer level of support that he's given is, has been amazing. Um, he's really a huge advocate for how marketing and sales and the entire mm -hmm. company can really create this great ecosystem of, of support and, yeah, it's just been kind of uh, drinking from a fire hose. Uh, yeah. I have an amazing team, Tim and Bryson. Bryson is just owning events. Uh, in the next, I want to say eight days. Yeah, eight days. He has 10 or 11 events that he's coordinating himself. Wow. Like, it's nuts. Like, that's that's a, that's a volume that I, I don't think I'd be able to handle on my own. So the fact that he's doing it and running with it is really cool. Um, Tim is our growth marketing manager and just... Oh, the, the types of emails and campaigns that he's putting out is really impressive. We're building out some really fun workflows and campaigns within HubSpot that are allowing us to touch, I would say probably anywhere between 10 and 15 times more contacts and prospects than mm -hmm. what we were before. And so just having that volume of mm -hmm. marketing going out there is going to help us really expand more. Yeah, and what's really awesome too is like I love your marketing right now. It's like everywhere, which is like really what you want. So no, you guys are already doing like a really like kick-ass job. Thanks. So for you, like what does that kind of similar, what does that 30, 60, 90 day look like for uh, rent dynamics? Yeah. Um, the first one was like the first 30 days. So I'm, 
it's it's funny you mentioned that i i'm actually working on a new 306090 uh, for mike uh to to build out and just kind of present to him but here's what i want to do these last 30 days that i've been with rent dynamics is really about putting together the framework and the foundation for our marketing team so really getting um tim built up with hubspot and getting those emails ready to go and kind of figuring out what the flow is for that and then bryson same thing like building out our swag offerings and building out our event calendar and really getting that organized so that the sales team and the account management team are just ready to run um the next 306090 is is really about growth and adoption um i think one of the big things is diving into our product sets and seeing where there's pockets of opportunity and figuring out how we can target them in a really tailored way and not just blanket selling and I think like we're we're going to be going out to Baltimore to hang out with some of our nice. industry favorites. Out. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be we're going to be meeting with um, Rebecca Smith and Moshe Crane and building out some fun fun activities out there along with some other clients and prospects. And so, really, just hitting more and more markets and figuring out what's the the most sustainable way to do that in in a, in the next couple months. Um, our event strategy is going to be kicking up even more like having well thought out events and experiences for the clients and prospects that are attending those conferences. That part's going to be really interesting to see how we can create follow up touch points. So as they attend events, we hit them with some emails, we hit them with some, some outreach and just try and drive that traffic back. Cause so often it just kind of drops off. It's like, Hey, we hosted a party great what next and so now creating that kind of workflow where there's actually uh pre and post show um cadence oh absolutely love that so yeah. curious question from a marketing perspective like what have you guys found to be uh the most successful way of really engaging uh clients or prospects via events yeah um well, it's kind of twofold. Uh, the first one is partners. Like everything that I want to do, I want to have some sort of partner element to it. And if there's not a partner element to it, then I want it to be very um, like niche and, and personalized. And so like AIM is a great example. Um, on Sunday, we have three partners, we're, or well, we have two partners we're working with, Rent Grata and Reply. And so the three of us were hosting a small little dinner at LSXO and that's going to be more of like an intimate one it's mm -hmm. it's it's a great vendor to um, operator ratio so that we can really make sure that we're being personalized and not just blanket yeah um presence and being able to to engage with each of them on a, on a different level is going to be really fun and then we have monday's event which is going to be um at the huntington beach house that one's open to basically anybody that's attending AIM. Like everybody can come through on that. And that one's a big partnership one as well. We have Dwello, we have One Day, we have Opinion, we have uh, Rent Path. Um, who am I forgetting? There's us. There's probably one more in there. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but the goal for that one is, is really just like full saturation Mm -hmm. to create a really cool experience. So bringing people to the beach at Huntington, having bonfires, cocktails, snacks, that kind of stuff, like that one's more experience-based. And that's going to be something that we'll be able to drive brands through that experience. Mm -hmm. And then the next night, we're, we're just doing a really small get-together with a couple key folks at Nobu. 
And that one, again, is it's like six people. And so we want to be able to like figure out like what's the, the scale that we do things at and how's the impact happen. So um, if we can do smaller stuff, we'll, we'll be able to do it in a way that's really personalized and tailored. And then if we do bigger stuff, it has an impactful experience that allows us to kind of, kind of create that memory that's long lasting. So I really love that element of creating like experiences like how has your thinking about marketing changed since you moved from more like property-based marketing more to marketing to the industry? Like what have you seen to be like, that's kind of like a light bulb moment or things that you do completely differently that you would have done before? I think the biggest light bulb moment was the fact that um, when I was on the property side, everyone took my phone call. Hmm. Every, like they answered my phone phone call like at any point in the day, if it was a weekend, if it was, it was an evening, like if, if I had a question, I could, I could call text or whatever. And it was quick response times coming to the vendor side. It's, it's the other end of that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I thought it was like, at first, like I would send out a, a couple of emails to people I knew um, and just saying like, Hey, I'm at the vendor side and there'd be no response. And I'm like, yep. there's something wrong with me. You in the blacklist. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, can we, can we check to make sure that my like, who's this Trevor again? Is this, yeah. Is this working? And it was hilarious. Like I, I, I brought it up to, to Aaron. I'm like, what's like, is there, there has to be something wrong with my email. She's like, no, you're just on the vendor side now. Like you're, <laughs> you're, 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 uh, you're selling things. And the light bulb clicked for me where, I'm like, I, I don't want people to ever see me as transactional. Mm-hmm. Like when I call somebody, it's not to sell you something, it's to be a resource. Like yeah. I want to make sure that every time that I do that, it's, it's not like, oh, Trevor's calling me again. Like, what is he selling this time? Is he not like, is he selling CRMs or is he selling chatbots? Or like, what's, what's, what's he, what's he farming out? And so like, that was, that was the big shift for me is I, I want to make sure that I'm a resource to people versus uh a, a transaction to people. And so that's where it's tied into the marketing piece. Like if you look at our marketing strategy right now, like Tim, Mike, myself, our sales team, Dale and Andy and Chris and, and Willie, all of our stuff that we're pushing out there is resources. And like, yes, we talk a little bit about rent dynamics every now and again, but it's more so how are we helping the industry move forward as a whole? And what are the tools that are out there? rent dynamics or not, like what are the things that we can help you drive forward and be a, a value for you? And just creating that that connection point there. Oh, I love that. And that's for us is really the biggest thing that we see. You have to be extremely relationship focused. You have to put in a lot to build that relationship and like trust over time. And that's really when you start seeing the payoff like happen. So I absolutely love everything that you all are doing at uh, the Red Dynamics. I'm really, really excited to see uh, the piece that you bring in, that little Thank piece you. of the DNA that you bring I'm excited in. as well. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, well, Trevor, this was awesome to have you on this call. Uh, <laughs> uh, looking forward to seeing you at Amos Wall, too. Likewise. Yeah, I, I want to keep the conversation going. This is going to be a lot of fun, I think, over the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, this was our latest episode. So Trevor Park, uh, VP of Marketing at Rent Dynamics. So look out for him at AIM on LinkedIn and everywhere else.